Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope everybody's having an absolutely blessed, fantastic day today. I hope you guys had a great weekend. And if you need anything, you know where to get a hold of us, healthmasters.com. And we have the product of the week on sale right now, the Ultimate Multiple Powder. The next two days, over 15% off. I need you to mute mic, bud. And uh, if you guys need anything, give us a call, 1-800-726-1834. We're here to help you guys out the best we possibly can. And I was looking at a bunch of different articles all over the weekend and talking to a few different people in the market. And it's interesting, you know, last week I went in detail about what's starting to happen in the automotive industry, how we're starting to see the gasoline and diesel-powered vehicles are starting to skyrocket as far as MSRP prices. I mean, almost every single time you turn around, the next model year, another 23, another 2024, they're going up 5, 10, sometimes 15% increases over MSRP on what they were the previous year. Yet, we're watching a race to the bottom with the EV sector. And I've told you guys this, this is not an accident. This is a concerted effort to massively increase the expense and cost of owning a gasoline or diesel powered engine while at the same time encouraging individuals and pretty much forcing them into a corner of nothing left on the market to buy that's affordable except for EV. This is an article that just came out from Zero Hedge confirming exactly what I talked about last week. The title is Ford slashes F-150 lightning truck prices by up to $10,000 as the EV war heats up. They said just two days following Tesla's tweet showcasing the Cybertruck rolling off the production line, Ford Motor Company made a move to cut the prices of its F-150 Lightning pickup truck. Wall Street Journal reported Monday morning that Ford has reduced the price of the Lightning Pro by almost $10,000 to $49,995, exactly what I told you last week they're going to start doing. They want to bring these electric cars and trucks under the $50,000 mark so they can stay within the average price Across the board, that's a 17% discount, my friends. The highest inversion, the Platinum Extended Range, was reduced by almost $6,000. And what's interesting about this is the entire EV model is not sustainable whatsoever. I've told you guys this before, and I've continually reiterated it, and nobody's been able to rebuttal me on this, is that there is no long-term sustainability in the fact that these batteries – don't last but more than eight to ten years and so you run in this position where the depreciation scale on these vehicles is very difficult to actually you know maintain from a cash flow standpoint if you're buying one of these and financing one of these you're going to be upside down pretty quick if the price is extremely high so what happened is now they've seen that people aren't going to buy them so they're going in and they're running a race to the bottom. And isn't it ironic right now? Just think about this. While everybody doesn't want to admit this is actually happening, but it is, you have MSRP on every F-250, every Chevy 2500, every Dodge 1500, 2500. They're all going through the roof, MSRP through the roof. Dealers aren't even wanting to take a dollar off MSRP. Sometimes we're putting addendums on these things still at the dealership. Yet you have the EV sector that suddenly isn't having a problem getting supplies, isn't having a problem getting parts, isn't having any type of shortages, allegedly. It's just rolling out just like normal while they're continually telling everybody the 2,500 Chevys and the pickup trucks and the F-250s, they're all short right now because of parts and supplies shortages. 
This entire thing is being set up from the very beginning, and I've told you guys that, so I've encouraged you to please make sure you're doing the best you can to support companies that are supporting you and constantly get the truth out there on a regular basis. And it was kind of funny. I was watching some of the clips the other day, uh, yesterday, of Tucker Carlson with this engagement that he had as far as with Mike Pence in this conversation at the uh, – this uh, big, big conference that they had. And what's interesting about it is, I mean, Mike Pence isn't anybody that I've ever supported, nor have I had any respect for. What he did as far as during Trump's presidency was nothing less than just a failure. But what's ironic is this shows you how hardcore they're pushing this war agenda in Ukraine, where Mike Pence is discussing in detail about Ukraine doesn't have enough Abram tanks, Ukraine doesn't have this, and finally Tucker Carlson stops him and he goes, you're talking about Ukraine doesn't have Abram tanks yet from us. He goes, the last three years, the infrastructure in the United States is collapsing. Nothing's gotten better, and you're concerned about weapon platforms being shipped to Ukraine every single month. And Mike Pence goes, look, that's not my concern. That's that's not my concern at all. This they don't they don't have enough tanks. Blah blah blah. And he goes on to say, continually reiterating the fact that Ukraine is essentially the biggest priority in the entire world right now. And this is what typical warmongers do because once you start realizing that the military industrial complex is a very very big revolving door for a lot of politicians, and there is an enormous amount of money that's being pumped into this sector right now to continually feed this. This is why you see so many individuals that are suddenly pro-Ukraine, pro-war, pro-everything when it comes to the military, yet zero concern here in the United States with what's happening. And so, again, I encourage you, please continue to get the truth out there on a regular basis. And what do you think about that this morning, Dan? What do you think about these EV prices being cut down drastically (laughs) while they're blowing up MSRP prices on these other trucks? Well, no, you called it, Austin. You talked about this in depth last week. You said exactly what they were going to do, and they did exactly what you said they were going to do. And uh, I find it humorous. In fact, you know, this morning I saw that article. I thought, I bet you Austin covers that one because it just tells everybody <laughs> that, you know, we stay on top of this stuff because we do. And, uh, you know, and the thing about it is that you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that nobody wants electric vehicles. I mean, nobody wants them. I saw another dead Tesla on I-40 the other day, and I was just, just dead sitting there with a, with, you know, with a yellow sticker on it about to get towed. And good luck towing it. So the tires stay locked up in the drive, and you got to literally drag it up on top of the truck. You got to charge it. And we have a Austin has a friend of his who's actually going out with a, with a with a high high volume emergency charge station, so they can actually get these trucks on the the vehicles these vehicles under their trucks without damaging the doggone drivetrains. I mean, these things are like a golf cart. Anybody who'd buy an EV vehicle like this voluntarily, unless they're using it like a golf cart to drive it around town. <laughs> You know, it's probably making a bad choice, especially if they want to go across the country with it. And it's just, you know, again, what does it do? It promotes the globalist agenda. And the infrastructure, our, our, our power grid isn't able to, to deal with, you know, you know, hundreds of millions of EV vehicles plugging in every night. It simply doesn't exist. And you're not going to save any money on fuel. They're going to get you on the backside. They're going to raise the power rates is what they're going to do. And it's not going to end. It's going to go on and on and on and on. And they're going to pretend like, you know, they're not producing, you know, climate change, but they're having to run much bigger power stations under much bigger loads, under much more burning of fuel and fossil fuels and coal to charge these vehicles. It's also stupid. And yet here we are sitting here. And again, they're not looking at this thing, you know, 10 years or five years or 20 years or whatever down the road. They're looking at this 50, 60, 100 years down the road. You know, when everybody's living in the Jetsons cartoon, <laughs> a lot of you already know what I'm talking about. It was a cartoon that I've watched reruns of. 
oh, many years ago, and it was basically the future. And they were running around in flying cars, and their houses were floating in the air and all the other crazy things they're talking about. But that's what they want from us. They want to have this, this utopia, this world. I mean, if you, walk, if you go to uh, different theme parks, you'll see sometimes they'll talk about the utopia of the world to come and all the other things. And you're like, come on, gosh, really? Oh, by the way, uh, Tom Cruise's new movie, uh, just mentioning that, has not done real well as far as the Mission Impossible. And, you know, Sound of Freedom is still blowing up in the box office. over 80 million now in box office sales. It's going to break 100 million sales. And I, I really encourage you guys to go see it because it's one of those movies that's just caught a kite. You know, you grab the kite, the kite got loose and just took off. You know, you know, we had that happen one time. I remember we were at the airport. You know, as I was a little kid, it was before they put an eight foot fence around the airport. <laughs> just, and we decided to go fly a kite at the airport, which is like the worst thing you could do because you get the, 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 you could cause a plane to crash. The, 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 the wire will get, you know, string will get caught up inside of the propeller. And we were out there at the airport having fun. And then right after that, they put this giant fence up around to keep all the people from flying kites. And, uh, you know, we weren't flying it over the runway. We were on the peripheral edge, probably, you know, 500, 600 feet away. It was still too dangerous. I remember one time the wind caught the kite and the doggone string boat broke. And this thing took off. It was probably still floating around somewhere. <laughs> it just caught a kite. And that's what I mean when I say that. It just takes off. And you have no idea where the kite's going to go. You have no idea where the kite's going to land. But you do realize very, very quickly that the kite is uh, got a mind of its own at that point. And that's what happens with some of these shows, some of these movies. I remember I do a talk show sometimes and it'd catch a kite. And it would just take off. And you have no idea what you said because the same thing you've said over and over again. You have no idea why the media was so powerful that day. But somehow all these people were tuned into the radio and all these people ended up buying our Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy program. It was crazy. And uh, you know, my, my, producer, my producer would call up and say, we caught a kite. You know, the phone room's going nuts. And I'm like, wow, okay. I had no idea why that happened. And you kind of analyze the show and say, what did I say differently? And it really not much of what you said differently. It was just kind of like just happened to be the circumstance of everything lining up that day. And speaking of that, my buddy Mankow Mueller, I love the guy, he's a good brother, good Christian brother. Uh, he's been now featured in Daily Mail. I'm going to cover this for him because I'm going to kind of give you a statement that he said about this. Uh, quote, he can burn in hell. Howard Stern's former radio rival Mankow Mueller breaks down in tears as he recalls the shock jock making demonic and evil rape jokes about his father's death. Yeah, this is Daily Mail. This is big news today. Mankow 57 went head-to-head -head with Howard Stern, who's now 69, on the radio in the 90s. In a new Vice TV documentary, Dark Side of the 2000s, he said Howard could burn in hell for his derogatory comments he made about his dying father. Mankow and Stern were considered among the two most popular shock jocks of that era, but their rivalry turned incredibly bitter and nasty. And I'm not going to read anything else about that from the article, but I am going to post it on the website so you guys can look through it if you're interested in this because Mankow's been on our show many times. And I want people to realize that you know Mankow's a good guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Actually. He's a good, good friend. And uh, I just want to read you, you know, the statement that he made to me. This is a statement. I'm going to basically read it directly from his – he quoted me. He, said, he sent it to me this morning. Mankow says, they got me to do this TV show under false pretenses. I'll never watch it. But I don't watch any of the propaganda and media nonsense anyway. My radio ratings and audience research were much bigger than Stern's. I was there, and he saw it. When given a chance, people picked me. They also vastly picked rock over rap. didn't matter. The agenda and the dumbing down was more important. My Christian faith and common sense populist politics were not favored by the suits in New York, and they told me that. It was not a secret. Malleable Stern got promoted while I got marginalized by design. Now, let's say something else here. That's the bank didn't bother to tell me, but 
on this text this morning, and I'm going to tell you to this to you guys again. Mancow, you know, was right down the middle. He didn't go Republican. He didn't go Democrat. He went down the middle. If the Republicans said something good, he promoted it. If they said something bad, he exposed it. Same thing with the Democratic side. He wasn't being partisan. And I'm going to say one other thing that's going to put me out on a limb now. Mancow didn't say this, but I'm going to say it very bluntly. You know, Mancow's family was German. Yeah, I'm going to go there for a second. And uh, the people that run Hollywood and the people that run the media, they really don't like Germans. I had a friend of mine who had a German name, and they basically got their uh, they had their name changed when they got married, and they changed it from a German name to an English name. And they told me personally that they had been marginalized in many of the institutions they had worked for until they got married in the institutions where they had to receive their education because it was German. They think, well, that's not true. That doesn't really happen. Uh, yeah, that does, unless you're part of Werner von Braun's rocket sciences program with Operation Paperclip. It happened, guys. It happens still to this day because when the media is controlled by 17 Luciferian Kabbalists, the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, but they are not. They are of the devil. They are of the evil one. Uh, they basically realize very, very quickly that they don't like Germans. You think, well, no, it doesn't really work that way. Yet yeah, does. That's why you continue to get so much rhetoric and propaganda and just downright lies about what happened in World War II. Nobody ever wants to talk about the Eisenhower death camps where two to three million Germans were not classified as basically uh, you know, soldiers anymore. They were enemy combatants, and they were allowed to starve to death and to basically die in the elements over a period of a couple of years and never allowed to return home after the war was over with. Just want you to do some research on that one. But that's how much they hate that German DNA. So you know, is that what happened to Mancow? I don't know. All I know is this. I love the guy. He's a great friend. He's probably one of the most brilliant minds I've ever known. And now he's being basically put back on the Daily Mail. It's making top news right now. And quite frankly, I really can't stand Howard Stearns just between me and you guys. I think the guy's a complete and total pervert. And, uh, you know, but he's huge now on Sears Radio. He gets these huge contracts all the time. And I don't know anybody who even listens to the guy anymore because he, quite frankly, is um, just actually a weirdo. Now, speaking of other weirdos, this is a strange one, too. I haven't watched this show, but I'm going to bring it up. Lance, Lance Armstrong, who basically was stripped of all of his medals for doping, or as a, as a top-tier top cyclist, he threatens to quit stars on Mars after a clash with actress Ariel Winter over trans athletes because she wants these trans athletes to compete. Now, these same people slam him you know, on the air and off the air and all the stuff that happened with his doping scandals because he at one time was considered the greatest cyclist in the history of the world. But now he's saying that men should not compete against women. And, of course, Ariel Winter, who thought this, that Armstrong was an actual astronaut, thought he was Neil Armstrong. <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, she basically is hammering him on the show. Now, why would they do this? Why would they put him on this show to begin with? Because of the controversies, for the very fact that right now I am speaking about it on this show. And I am covering it, which is really kind of a marginalized story for me to even cover on this show. But I want to bring this up. This is all part of the narrative to create friction between the transgenders and the straights. That's what this is. And transgenders and gays. You know, a lot of you know, women lesbians can't stand transgenders because they say they're marginalizing women. On, on and on and on. And this is all part of the breakdown of our society as they continue to, just to downgrade and to basically ridicule one another and say crazy things like this. So I kind of sit back and I watch it. I kind of just go – Man, I wonder if the real world sees all of this stuff. Is how weird it is. I mean, including the Disney heiress now, who was arrested protesting private jets in a ritzy New York community. But the problem is, she's the one who flies around on private jets. I mean, you can't even make it up. 
You know, and so, you know, and I've got a friend of mine who was, of course, a TV evangelist and basically that I don't care for and don't associate anymore. I can't really call him a friend. And I remember one time um, he was doing a seminar up in, in D.C. And, and he asked me to speak for him. And I told him that I would. And he had chartered a private jet to go up there. And, you know, I rode up there with him on this private jet. Now, I will say one thing about private jet travel. It is nice. I got I'm, I'm not sitting here, but I'm saying that it's not. But if, if it's an eight passenger jet, it costs just as much for one person to fly as it does for eight people to fly. And that's what my TV evangelist friend told me, or former friend. And I just basically told him, OK, fine. And so I remember Sharon and I rode up there to D.C. from Tampa on a private jet. And I must admit, it was exceedingly nice. I mean, you, they pick you up. They put you on this jet. They, they, you walk out onto the tarmac. You don't have to go through any security. You can bring your guns with you. You can't do that to D.C., though. And then you basically go right straight to a private airport, and they whisk you away to the hotel. Uh, yeah, that was interesting how that was being done. And I even paid for my own hotels at, when I was up there. And I remember he was uh, joking with me because I was using points to stay at the hotels while his place that he was staying at was basically provided for him for free. And I told him, I said, well, I said, you know, I'm speaking for free for you. I'm donating my proceeds to your ministry. I'm trying to support you, and I'm also paying for my own hotels. So why do you care if I'm using points or if, <laughs> or if, I'm, using, if I'm using dollars? The same evangelist basically uh, you know, was flying all over the world on private jets and complaining constantly about he didn't have the money to build a new facility. But I'm not going to go there today. It was just, it was one of those things that you know, I try my best to get along with people. And sometimes it's just simply not possible. And so I parted ways with him years and years and years ago because I simply didn't want to deal with his nonsense anymore. By the way, Yellen now is saying that funding Ukraine – this is you know, the central bank chairperson here – is saying that funding Ukraine's war effort is the best boost for the global economy. I loathe these people. Wars are racket. I loathe them. I loathe Yellen. I, 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 all of this. Redoubling financial backing for Ukraine in its war with Russia is the single best way to aid the global economy, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said on Sunday. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know what to say about this. She added boosting emerging economies and tackling debt distress also have their role in play alongside sending billions of taxpayer dollars to Ukraine. AFP reports Yellen and used the sidelines of a G20 finance minister summit in India to reveal that she would push back on criticism that there was a standoff between the aid to Ukraine and developing nations. Ending this war is first and foremost a moral imperative, she told reporters in Gandhagingar. Okay, if you fuss at me, so I'm going to spend it. G-A-N-D-H-I-N-A-G-A-R. Figure it out. I don't have the gained gand. King Agar, I don't know, but it's still the single best thing we can do for the global economy. What? Her comments on Ukraine aid came one week after former Vice President Pence said that during an appearance on a Breitbart's new Saturday, that defending Ukraine is in the best interest of the U.S., even though it's not our war. Wait a minute. I saw the, the, the interview with, with Pence. I, I'm kind of starting to think he's a robot. <laughs> that was so bad. And uh, no, Austin, you know it's true. He's yeah. acting like a complete and total weirdo. And uh, you know, and I, and he doesn't even care about the U.S. He said, it's, it's, and "That's not, you know, it's not part of what we're." He said, "We're talking." They were talking about the European, the European American economy. He goes, "Well, that's not my interest. I'm not. In, I'm not concerned about that." I'm like, "Wait a minute." You're concerned about running a war in a country the size of Texas that's running on the other side of the world that's killing a lot of people. Some say up to 300,000 people are dead. But then we have to remember Madeleine Albright saying that half a million dead Iraqis didn't mean anything. It was good for everybody, especially children. I mean this is insanity. I've got another friend of mine who lived in Ukraine. Yesterday he basically told me that he disagreed with me as far as the war, the war effort, and the scale of the war. He used to live there, and he has friends there that are there, and they know people that are dying. 
So it's one of those things that, you know, I've got my opinion on this thing as far as wagging the dog. And other people say that it's a, you know, it's a full-blown whatever. I don't believe that. I still don't believe that. But, but I do believe there are skirmishes going on and people are dying. But the sad part about it is, is every time I try to get an actual person who has seen the war, has seen it firsthand, has seen you know what's going on, has seen the shelling, all the other things. I mean, personally have seen it and seeing the cities being bombed and the rubble and all the other stuff, uh, I can't find them. You know, but you hear all these little peripheral stories, you know, about the war, and then we know that the vast majority of the weapons that has been going into the Ukraine have been trafficked into other countries, including the Mexican drug cartel, and they have rocket launchers out there now from Sweden, and also covered that so eloquently a few weeks ago. So anyhow, all of this stuff is just kind of just sitting here wondering what in the world could, you know, we do as far as what we personally can do, and we have to stand personally with the Most High God. And we have to stand and put our full armor of Jesus on, and we need to realize that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and that this is the day the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice, and we will be glad, it, and we will continue to go to work. We'll continue to earn income. We'll continue to feed our families and continue to watch the circus clown show that is Washington, D.C., that is international politics, that is unbelievable obfuscation and lies. We'll continue to watch that. But in the meantime, you know, we're going to do the best we can to support the families that we have around us, and thank you for your support of Health Masters. And now here's a good one. I like this one too. Media Titan Barry Diller drives <laughs> doomsday forecast that the actor and writer strikes could lead to Hollywood's absolute collapse. And I will second that. That'll be great. Media Titan delivered a devastating forecast for Hollywood. Appearing on the CBS Face the Nation show on Sunday, which I did not watch, Diller, the head of the media conglomerate IAC, who previously served as CEO for Paramount in 20th Century, weighed on the state of the industry among the writer strikes. Diller called the current challenges facing the industry a perfect storm. I hope so. hope they lose their control. You had COVID, which sent people home to watch streaming television and kill theaters, Diller said, which is true. You've had the results of huge investments in streaming, which have now produced all of these losses for these companies that are now kind of retrenching. So this moment is kind of a perfect storm. Diller called for a settlement deadline of September the 1st and said there could be catastrophic ramifications if the strikes extended into the fall. Who cares about Hollywood? Quote unquote, Diller said, referencing what he believes to be the overriding public sentiment on the issue. Who cares about it? But the truth is, this is a huge business, both domestically and for world exporters, and these conditions will potentially produce absolute collapse of an entire industry. And I second that. When you want to get rid of an industry that has to spend 250 to 300 million or 500 million dollars to produce an unbelievably woke broadcast like the latest Raiders of the Ark, you know, and that completely just absolutely awful doesn't make its money back at the box office. When you have a company like the independent media film firm that basically you know put out you know Sound of Freedom. Which is doing extremely well at the box office for you know for less than about twenty thirty million dollars the entire movie, you got to ask yourself a question: Why do we feel that we have to go to the movie to be entertained to such an extent with so much media coverage and so much cost because we're putting out a woke film that nauseates everybody? Everybody pukes as they walk out because nobody wants to see some transgender playing a leading role. Just I'm just saying, just saying, just saying. So that, that's how I feel about that. So if Hollywood's about to go under. I toast them with my glass of distilled water, and I say, good riddance. <laughs> what do you think, Austin? <laughs> I, I don't want to puke when I get out of the movie theater. <laughs> these, these movies and these films that nobody wants to see are such a clear-cut agenda. I think everybody's starting to see that now, and that's why you're, you see the numbers, the sales numbers, the box office numbers, and the toilet with a lot of these movies that are coming out because nobody wants to go see it. You have a small select group of individuals that are pushing an agenda, and the vast majority of the population doesn't want to go along with it. And so that's why I've encouraged so many people. You've got to vote with your dollar. 
don't don't go see garbage films that you don't like individuals in. there's nothing wrong with not supporting a film you don't like i mean it's ironic to me that i've i have not and like dad brought up the other day i have never seen this much negative publicity and negative coverage on a film except for the passion of the christ Never seen it before. I've never seen mainstream media outlets doing entire segments trying to basically criticize a film. NBC put out a thing the other day, and they said the the real story behind the the divisive film, Sound of Freedom. Divisive? Really, divisive. That's the word you're going to go with, guys. That's the word. Out of the entire Webster Dictionary, you guys are going to pick divisive as the word to describe this film. Again, tell me you're a pedophile without telling me you're a pedophile. Come on, guys. I mean, this is what we're seeing right now. And it's crazy to me. I saw a video the other day. Somebody was talking whether or not this was accurate or not, and they're actually doing this. This girl went to go see this AMC theater, went to go see Sound of Freedom, and she said the movie tickets, they tried to refund her. On She bought them online, and then they sent her an email said, sorry, your movie tickets were refunded. She contacted her. She goes, is the movie not playing? She goes, oh, no, it's it's here. But we refunded your tickets. It must have been a mistake. So she went to the movie anyways. So there was like hardly anybody in the theater because they said the movie was basically refunded. She said then the AC was off in the movie theater. So it was unbelievably hot. And then you start looking at the comments section below her post, and there's literally dozens of other people in the comments section discussing their movie theater in their city, where they went to, and how basically it was very nice and chilly in the – you know, the main area, other theaters had AC, but suddenly Sound of Freedom has no AC in it. Everybody's sweating. And it was like repeatedly all these comments. Now, whether or not that's actually happening or not, I don't know. I haven't been to a theater that I've seen the AC often, but I do know one thing. It seems kind of odd to me when you start having full-blown, nonstop media coverage covering negative information on a movie that discusses and blatantly shows what's going on with the issue we have right now in this country with child trafficking. Isn't it kind of ironic that this is what they want to spend their time on trying to basically discredit this film? Again, look at who's running it and look who's behind the scenes and what their actual agenda is because they don't want these media cover. This is mainstream media, the banker boys. They don't want anybody discussing this. I mean, there's a reason why, I talked about it last week, there's a reason why J.P. Morgan settled for $250 million so that nobody would continue to talk about what was going on with these child trafficking victims that Epstein was running. Do you think J.P. Morgan Chase just shills out $250 million on a regular basis? They're bankers. They're greedy. All they do do is want more money. They don't want to pay out $250 million, yet it was worth that much to them to make it go away, and it's now completely out of the mainstream media. It was getting a lot of coverage. I mean, Zero Hedge had picked it up. Multiple outlets had picked it up. What was going on with this whole thing with J.P. Morgan and their engagement with Epstein after he was already convicted pedophile, yet $250 million just, hey, we're going to sell this. Nothing to see here. Don't talk about it. Goodbye. Come on, guys. Shows you who's running the show behind the scenes. That's why I said last week, I did a very direct segment. I told you all, it's your responsibility when you're out with your children. It's your responsibility to protect them at any and all times, whether you're at a resort, whether you're at a theme park, whether you're at a movie theater, whether you're at a store. does not matter. Those children should be your primary goal and your primary outlet as far as what you're looking and protecting when you're out and about. Because this is not 
going to go away. There's a reason why they're going after this movie so much and trying to essentially justify why it's such a bad film and you shouldn't see it. And it's a QAnon conspiracy theory. The whole thing again is more deflection. So nobody talks about what they're really involved in. And you know, one thing about it, dad made a comment earlier. He's talking about issues going on with Ukraine. And I saw an article that was from uh, American military news announces Biden is approving 3000 reserve troops for deployment <laughs> in the midst, in the midst of recruiting woes right now, the Biden administration just deployed 3,000 select reserve and individual ready reserve to active duty in Europe to strengthen the U.S. troops as part of Operation Atlantic Resolve. <laughs> I can't, can't get, get these names. They come up with these operations. It's just, it, the names just crack me up. And so what they're, as they're saying now is the United States is wanting to make their military presence known in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So we've got infrastructure crumbling with a southern border that's literally being invaded right now after title 41 got lifted and um primary goal is to activate 3,000 reserve troops in europe so we can show our strength russia and ukraine conflict this thing stinks like iraq again guys this whole thing is starting to be very reminiscent of what we saw with the first invasion of iraq and that entire debacle that ensued I mean, if you guys don't remember, that entire war was insane. I saw an article earlier here from Brown University. They revealed that 20 years of post-9-11 wars have cost the U.S. an estimated $8 trillion and have killed more than 900,000 people. They said standing estimates around 929,000, including U.S. military members, allied fighters, opposition fighters, civilians, journalists, humanitarian aid workers, who have all been killed as a direct result of war, whether by bombs, bullets, or fire. And goes into detail, the research team said $8 trillion estimate accounts for all the direct costs of our country's post-9-11 wars, including the Department of Defense and its overseas contingency operation funding, along with the State Department war expenditures and counter-terror war-related costs, including war-related increases to the Pentagon's base budget. You know, this, again, goes right back to what I talked about. When you have the entire military-industrial complex running the country, essentially – through the CIA and the CIA run the military industrial complex, whichever way you want to go with it. And this is why I've told you guys before, after we pulled out of Afghanistan, you know, and I, I had buddies that I knew that went over there on that whole pullout because they were trying to go put some support out there with how I mean, that whole thing was debacle. I mean, it was just, that was just horrific pullout. And yet now we're getting involved in another one. You know why? The military war hawks got mad. They did not want to come out of Afghanistan. They continually liked their presence over there because they could continually pump more and more funds and more and more weapons. That's why suddenly we're so concerned about the civilians in Iraq and Afghanistan. We're so concerned about the protection and safety, yet we left over 65,000 automatic weapons sitting there in the warehouse. When we pulled out of Afghanistan, not to mention helicopters, surface air missiles, frag grenades, claymores, the laundry list was so big. Well, why? It's more expensive to bring it back. And What are you going to do with old equipment? How do you keep making more money off new equipment if you bring back the old equipment? It doesn't work. And I've said this before, and I've said it again. The six-hour contract that they're now getting 
this the new ammunition, the new combat rifle, this automatic weapon and their long range weapon. This ammunition and this rifle is going to be used to phase out 556 five, ammunition production from Lake City. They're going to short the ammunition market in the United States and they're going to do it very fast in the next couple of years. Right now, 556 five, ammo is still fairly cheap for the most part. You usually buy a lot of it, even green tip. That will soon be gone. I'm telling you that right now. They're doing this on purpose. This is one of the reasons why we're dumping so many supplies over in Ukraine right now is we're phasing out all this old-gen technology equipment, and we're going to phase in the new equipment and the new ammunition that, in my opinion – and again, I don't know if this is going to be 100 percent, but in my opinion, they're not going to allow the civilians to own this caliber, own these rifles – that's what's going to happen, or it's going to be very, very limited supply because they don't want the populace being armed. Yet we send over a hundred plus billion dollars in weapon systems to Ukraine, and we leave all the weapon platforms in our Afghanistan after we pull out. But they're concerned about pistol braces here in the United States right now. That's the irony. You have to think about all this stuff that continually happens on a regular basis. This is why it's so important that you exercise your rights, my friends. If you don't exercise them, if you don't demand that they're respected, if you don't demand that they will be heard and you will use them, doesn't it's not a right. You're not exercising anything. It's just something somebody said at some point. Everybody just runs over it. I encourage you guys on a regular basis, continue to stay sharp, stay in shape, continue to train, continue to actively train, especially if you are carrying a firearm legally. Make sure you know how to use it on a regular basis, and by all means, please use caution with training, whether it be holstering your gun, whether it be reloading your gun. Live firearms are not a joke. They cause serious damage as far as if somebody is shot. You have to understand what you're doing with this. This is not something you're just throwing in your pocket. Oh, you are carrying deadly force on your person that can completely change your life and other people's lives literally in a split second. This is not a joke to walk around with and act like you're cool and be throwing it in your pants and running around thinking you're a thug. If you want to actively carry, understand the ramifications of it and continually train and practice on a regular basis. What do you think, Ted? You know, Austin, I tell this to people all of the time. If you're going to carry a gun, you better know how to use it. And for for goodness sake, keep your hand off the – keep your finger off the trigger I mean, uh, you know, you can shoot yourself yes. really easy. You shoot yourself in the gut. You, you're trying to holster one. You can shoot yourself, you know, in the leg. You shoot yourself in the foot. Uh, heck, you shoot somebody else. You got, you got to be careful with these things. I mean, you got to, you. And the thing about it is, it's like, it's like you told me the other day, Austin. When you pull a holster, when a gun out of the holster, you keep your wrist touching your side so you have your hand twisted out so your gun's pushed away from you, pointing away from you. And that's a great, great tip. And I, I've learned something when you get training from these advanced classes that you know you and I've taken that they really get mad if you don't keep your hand off that trigger, that <laughs> finger off that trigger. I mean, they get mad, mad because they don't want an accidental discharge. And that's the first thing you've got to learn is number one is you're carrying deadly force. Now, I'm going to give you some advice. Just stop for just a second and stay with me for a second. I know a lot of you guys like to wear, you know, really fancy, you know, Apple watches or Rolexes or, or real fancy Seikos or whatever, you know, watches, jewelry or whatever. A lot of you have gone now and just use your phone for your clock or whatever. Uh, a lot of ladies like to go out, you know, wear real fancy jewelry when you're going out on a date, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we, we've seen all this stuff, you know, it's been going on for a thousand years, what, except for the watch, but the fancy jewelry. And here's the thing. If you're walking somewhere in a town, either if it's, in, you know, in Paris or, you know, Rome or Ybor City or Tampa or, you know, downtown in an area that you're not familiar with, 
do yourself a favor, especially if you're carrying deadly force. Don't be wearing a bunch of bling. Don't be doing that. Don't set yourself up to get mugged. You say, well, gosh, Ted, I can't believe you're talking like this. Well, I, yeah, I, I, sometimes I just got to give you guys some advice. Don't be doing that. Just, just you know, I, I don't care. I remember one time I was wearing this this fake Rolex, right? And I was in Argentina. I was in Buenos Aires. It was a, it was a fake Rolex. I think it was an Invicta. It looks like a Rolex. And, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm walking, you know, I'm, I'm at the front desk of the hotel. And, you know, there's, they said to me, they said, you need to put that Rolex away. I said, it's not a Rolex. It's an Invicta. And they said, the muggers don't know that. We just had a lady this morning come in, and sure enough, she was still there bleeding. Uh, they had basically gotten mugged. They'd taken a watch and a, you know, her wallet away. And, and don't allow yourself to go out there wearing that watch. Just put it in your pocket. Otherwise, you're going to set yourself up as a target. I thought, I'm wearing a fake Rolex. It's an Invicta. It says Invicta on it. Then he said Rolex. Uh, but they can't tell the difference. I thought, this guy's right. You know, these muggers don't go over there and read your watch. They see you as a rich gringo down there in Argentina. They just want to take your stuff. And, you know, it had to happen as far as friends of ours that were, that were in, you know, in Rome. They've got mugged and they basically have their stuff taken, their purses stolen on the subways. And so be really, really careful if you're traveling, especially abroad, especially in Europe, especially now in the summer, especially in the heat, especially in large cities. Wear a money belt. Keep it underneath your clothes, underneath your belt line, underneath your pants. So they have to go through multiple layers of clothes and zippers to get to your money and keep a copy of your passport in there as far as a photocopy. Don't carry your real passport with you. Don't do that when you're in case it gets stolen. But keep a copy of your passport in there with you and keep some cash, keep a couple credit cards, but don't carry a lot of stuff with you. Just be careful. And I, I was a victim of an attempted mugging in Berlin one time. You know, when I was driving a car, they tried to get into my car. All these crazy things and stories I could tell you to tell you. And a lot of you guys who are local, who've been by the house or whatever, you know, they could buy like Mike was here this this week. Uh, you, they, they, you basically realize that, you know, you know, these stories are real that I tell you. And so you got to be careful, but don't because it's like Austin said, if you're walking in Ybor City and you're wearing a fancy watch or a bracelet or a fancy ring or whatever, and somebody sees you do it and you got homeless people sitting there, number one, maintain situational awareness. Don't let anybody walk up behind you. That's so important, guys. Oh, gosh, I got sucker punched one time when I was a bouncer in a bar, and it really, really got my attention. Now I always sit. You know, I never put my back to the door in a restaurant. Ever, never, ever, never. I don't do it. And, uh, you know, once you get sucker punched one time like that and get pretty much knocked out by somebody who's about 80 pounds heavier than you, you realize very quickly that you must maintain situational awareness. You say, well, gosh, Ted, I can't believe you lived a life like that. Well, yeah, I did. It was a pretty rough life. You know, when you're raised in a German beer tavern, you kind of have a tendency to see things you should not see and be involved with weird people that you don't want to be involved with. And I learned very quickly that you have to maintain good friendships. And I'm not going to have that kind of life for me or my family or my children. I'm not going to do all that. I'm not going to promote it. And I was glad that I survived all of that stuff. But it goes back to what Nietzsche said, right? You know, and I don't really quote Nietzsche because he was such a he was such a you know atheist. Uh, you know, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. And in some cases, that is true. If you ride a motorcycle and you stay alive on it, okay, you don't die, especially out here on this death corridor we call Interstate 4, you know, and you live on that, you know, and you put twenty or 30,000 miles on it, you become an unbelievably defensive driver if you don't die first. I remember my sister told me one time when she was in Shan's teaching hospital in Gainesville, you know, she was getting her post, you know, doctoral stuff there, you know, and she told me that most of their transplants came from motorcycle victims on I-75 and I-4. And I'm like, you know, wow, this is crazy. They're telling you this. So be very, very, very careful in all these different situations and maintain situational awareness all the time. By the way, Elon Musk is now throwing nine 
figure promise who's a top AI researcher. Remember it's the same guy who warns you not to get involved with AI, who warns you what AI would do. Remember, I warned you about Elon Musk and how bad he is. Remember, I told you, I said, this guy's bad news. Don't believe this guy. He's in that billionaire boys club, almost a trillionaire, which, you know, if you want to believe the real numbers, because quite frankly, his money is controlled through the Rothschild banking cartel. And they're going to allow him a certain amount of slack and a certain amount of lifestyle to have. And he tries to go past that. They're just going to say no. But now he's throwing nine figure promises to top AI researchers. Such a hypocrite. Elon Musk sought to recruit top AI talent to his new artificial intelligence company. Of course, he is. You know, with equity in the venture, he claimed was already worth tens of billions of dollars, according to the popular people, popular people, according to the people familiar with the matter. If AI was worth $20 billion of valuation, as Musk came up with before it was born, then each 1% in stock options was like a $200 million signing bonus, the people said. His recruiting efforts succeeded. The startup launched on Wednesday, Wednesday boasted researchers from Google. DeepMind and academic powerhouses like the University of Toronto, where major breakthroughs in deep learning have taken place. Musk and his team plan to reveal more details about the XAI during a Twitter Spaces chat Friday afternoon. He didn't respond for a comment. You know, I'm going to say this again. Don't make Elon Musk your savior. Your savior is Jesus Christ. He is the author. He is the finisher. and He is the perfecter of our faith. Don't make Donald Trump your savior, Q people. He is not that. He put more CFR members, Council of Foreign Relations members, into his White House positions of staff than any other president in recorded history that I can find, even more than Barack Obama. In the Council on Foreign Relations, they're dedicated to a one-world government. Just thought I'd mention that with you guys. In fact, I asked Donald Trump about that. I'm sorry, not Donald Trump, Roger Stone about that when I was at his apartment down there in Miami with Mancal. And I asked him, I said, why did Trump put all these CFR members into his positions of power? And he was, I don't know. He was before Trump got into office, he asked me about the CFR, and I told him those are people that he does not want to associate with. But yet he turned right around and put them in power. And of course, you know, Pfizer and a couple of the other big pharmaceutical companies gave him huge contributions for the campaign. And of course, he puts Gutlieb in the positions of power with the FDA as soon as he gets in. It's just a Washington spiral of nauseam as it continues and goes on and on and on and on. And on. They've got to give you a problem maximum solution. They can't just give you one side of the story. They've got to give you both sides of the story. That's how propaganda works, and they push their narrative down the middle until they get their desired outcome. In other words, they can't tell you they're going to take all your guns away. They've got to tell you that gun rights are important. They've got to tell you to support the NRA. But then on the other side, they've got to tell you the guns are bad. You can take your guns away. And so what they do is they give you a skew towards taking the guns away. When that, way, that way only bad people have guns. And then pretty soon you end up in a situation where you find yourself down the road where the guns are gone. But you don't realize what happened because you got cooked, you know, like that lobster, proverbial frog of the pot, and you don't know what happened. All of a sudden, the guns are gone, and that's what they've done. That's what they're doing with transgender rights. That's why they did that TV show about this with Lance Armstrong, in my opinion. They're pushing you in that direction so enough people say, yeah, they're right, they're right, they're right, they're right. Transgender should be in these, in these races with, with other cyclists and blah, 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 blah. Now, remember, it's the very same thing that Lance Armstrong got busted with because he was on steroids you know, in he had in the Tour de France when he won it so many times, they took all his medals away. They stripped him of the medals. The very same thing that allowed him to win with the extra testosterone is the very same thing that they're saying now is okay because these guys are going to have a whole lot more testosterone than these women athletes who are pretending to be men or these men athletes that are pretending to be women. The whole thing about this is, is messed up, and they know that. And all of it is is to confuse the hearts and the minds of the people that are there. You know, what's interesting, a study just came out and said that single father households do vastly better than single mother's households. 
And I thought that was very interesting. We've got a friend of ours. He's got a child and he's basically got full custody of the child. And they're really prospering and doing well. The consensus that mothers typically make better parents than fathers, yet single fathers do better than single mothers. And this whole article goes on why. But it's posted on the website. You can read it. And it says it's extraordinarily well documented how much of a disadvantage children from single mother households have over children whose parents remain together. But less documented is how much of a disadvantage they have over single father households. For example, studies have found that children from single mother households are five times more likely to commit suicide than children from both unbroken households and single father households. Five times more likely to commit suicide, my friends, nine times more likely to drop out of high school and 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances and 14 times more likely to commit rape, 20 times more likely to end up in prison and 32 more times likely to be run away from home. This doesn't stop here. Single mother households also account for 70 percent of all teen pregnancies, 70 percent of all child murders, and they account for a majority of filicide cases, which means, yes, a child living with a single mother household is the most household and remember i tell you this stuff doesn't read well that's why the grammar sounds bad this is why it does that because it's not written well in a single mother household is the most likely to be murdered by their parent okay totally incorrect grammar most of this at this point will probably think that the stepfather is the main killer and the reason however studies have found this to be false and the step parents are no more likely to kill children than the biological common counterparts i'm not gonna talk about that anymore but you can read the whole story it's at healthmasters.com but the reality is, is that you know single father households don't necessarily mean that the child's not going to be raised properly in many cases the child's going to be raised extremely well i've seen it personally i mean would you rather have a father that's stable who's not on drugs, who's not an alcoholic, who basically wants to have a job and keep the kids taken care of all the days of their life until they're grown and support the kids and protect them than a mother who's an alcoholic, who's a drug abuser or is a prostitute. I'm asking the question now. You know, you guys can fuss with me if you want. Now, I'm not saying all dads are good either. And I'm not saying that all mothers are bad. What I'm saying is this study is showing that just because it's a female raising this child doesn't mean it's going to come out right. That's what the study shows. That's the statistics that I'm giving you. I'm not getting involved as far as to the wise. Well, I will a little bit. Mothers, in many cases, you know, it's easier for a father to raise a child in many cases because it's easier for him to attract another wife, even if he has children, than it is for a mother who has two or three children to attract a husband. And there's a, there's a lot of factors associated with that. Uh, the child may have, she may have a special needs child. That's a real big deterrent. She may have children that are absolute brats who hate the father. That's another really big deterrent. She may have children that have become juvenile delinquent or are doing, having all kinds of problems as far as dealing with life. And the dad, the father, the boyfriend doesn't want to be involved in it because he doesn't want to be part of that. But somehow it seems that the households that are the fathers by themselves are more stable. It's easier for them to attract women. You think, well, it could be both directions. Yes, it could be both directions. I got that. I understand that. But the reality is this, and this is why I'm, this is why I read the article. The most important thing to do is if you're getting married is talk to your spouse or your fiance at that point about what your likes are and your dislikes are in every area of your life, in every area of the relationship. Don't pretend like these things aren't going to go come up. Go to premarital counseling at a church. Have them go over things. I mean, if it's a big deal because you want to have the silverware lined up in the drawer or you want to put the cap on the toothpaste or you care about how the toilet paper goes on the roll or, 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 and you want to make a giant mess out of something like that, you probably need premarital counseling because the person probably isn't going to put the cap on the toothpaste right. And if you get into a big fight about the cap on the toothpaste, it doesn't, how's it going to help? 
you know, Sharon and I, we, we, we made decisions on all the stuff, you know, I mean, we talked about all this stuff, you know, after we got married, like, we don't care about the toothpaste cap. Uh, we don't care about the toilet paper roll. Uh, you know, we, we don't care. It doesn't matter. It's, it just doesn't matter. And so why make an issue out of all of it? In fact, we made a decision because our anniversary or 39th it would have been our 39th anniversary coming up here in July on the 21st. We made the decision that we weren't even going to remember our anniversary, that we were going to celebrate every day like it was our anniversary. And for many years, many, many years, we didn't even remember that we had an anniversary on the 21st of July. We forgot about it. I'm not joking, guys. Then we'd get a letter from her dad saying happy anniversary and we'd go, oh, wow, we missed it again. We didn't make these things giant issues. I know some ladies and some guys, if the spouse doesn't remember the anniversary, they go ballistic, screaming and yelling and cussing. They make it a really nice day. <laughs> just make it something they can just you know, rejoice about as they cuss at each other. Come on, guys. You know, we're better than that. You know, we're called to a higher purpose as Christians. Just love one another, forgive one another. There's, there's three fundamental principles here that you got to look at with, with marriages and relationships. Trust, respect, and reciprocity. you got to trust each other. You got to respect each other and you got to be reciprocal. Someone asked me here a few months ago, they said, Well, are you a jealous individual? And I said, Am I jealous? And I was going out on like a first time date and I said, No. I said, I'm just gone. And she goes, Well, what do you mean by that? And I said, Well, the truth of the matter is, if I feel as though you're doing something inappropriate, you're flirting with some other guy, you better have your Uber money ready. <laughs> she looked at me kind of funny. She goes, What? And I said, I'm just gone. I said, I'm not going to get into an argument with you if you're flirting with some guy or he's flirting with you. I'm just going to leave. I mean, I, that's inappropriate behavior, and I'm not going to be involved in that. And I'm not going to be involved in getting angry and jealous. I said, I'm not going to do stuff like that. Obviously, that person wasn't asked back out again. But the reality is this. It's one of those situations you got to think through these things and how you want to answer them when you're asked these types of questions and what you're looking for. So it was funny, and I mentioned this last week or a couple weeks ago. I can't remember. I had so many people giving me dating advice. You know, or not, they're asking me for dating advice, you know, when Sharon was still alive. And I was, you know, I'd come out with these little quotes and little quips and I'd say this and this. And, and now I realize that the dating in 2023 is completely and totally different than it was when I was dating back in the, you know, 70s and the 80s. It just is not the same anymore. And so I've learned a lot about that now. And I realize that the most important thing is to find somebody who's a God fearing woman, period. You got to have somebody who, who wants to go to church with you and who loves Jesus. Because that, comp, that, that foundation right there, that's the, that's the pivotal point. That's the foundation stone of any relationship. You can't ask them to start going to church with you if they don't want to go. You can't ask them to convert to Christianity if they don't want to convert. You, you, it's best to find that out from the very beginning than it is to try to figure out how to get somebody to change. That's, that's what I found is one of the most important things here, along with the trust, the respect, and the reciprocity. But I want to cover some of those things this morning because people are always asking me questions like that, and I think it's, it's, it's really important that we all do that. By the way, uh, JFK Jr. now is saying that the CIA was involved in funding the Wuhan Lab League. Yeah, we already know that. Presidential candidate Robert Kennedy declared Monday that he believes the CIA was involved in funding the Wuhan Lab League where the COVID pandemic originated. In an interview with Fox News' Jesse Waters, Kennedy suggested that the Biden administration is not interested in punishing China for covering up the Lab League because it would expose national security interests, including the National Institutes of Health-funded bioweapons programs. He goes, quote, I think the CIA was involved directly and certainly in this research, Kennedy proclaimed, adding, they were funding it through USAID. I've covered that on the show in depth, and NIH. I've covered that in depth, and I think in the end gave about $26 million to funding to the Wuhan lab. But the USAID said 
USIAID, which was functioning as a CIA surrogate, gave over $64 million. The Pentagon also gave a lot of money. I covered all of that stuff as far as the USAID and their, and their, and their influence in Sierra Leone and Kenemuth and these other countries that never signed into the Biological Weapons Treaty Agreement years and years ago and how this organization, this USAID, USAID Corporation, basically was paramount in funding this through the CIA and we're all CIA fronts. Guys, I love you. I haven't had the opportunity to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray for you right now when we get off the air. I love you so much, and I thank you so much for supporting healthmasters.com. You guys mean the world to me, and I hope you don't mind me giving you a few of my little, you know, little examples of the do's and the don'ts and the, the things of life. I appreciate you so much. Austin, finish it up, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Absolutely spot on. It's interesting here. I was reading an article while he was that was talking in some health impact news, and it's going into detail from biometricupdate.com. Remember, I've told you guys the, the whole thing with the Teslas is they watch your face when you're doing like uh, autonomous driving. They have the cameras that watch you the whole time. F-150 Lightning, all the EV cars have cameras in them that watch you the entire time. Well, it's interesting now, a slew of the world's largest automakers, including Sony, Honda, Ford, Genesis, and Mullen Automotive, have all eagerly announced or patented facial recognition technologies to be deployed in their vehicles. The newly unveiled prototype car from Honda called the Afila is set to employ facial recognition to unlock the vehicle, open its doors, and start the car. The firm says it will start taking orders in 2025 with U.S. deliveries set to start in 2026. They're saying this is going to be something that enhanced biometric authorization, which includes but is not limited to facial recognition beyond just controlling access to the vehicle. The newly published patents filings cover technology where the user's biometric data stored on the system can be updated automatically. And it's essentially going to be for your safety and protection. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't steal the car because I guess you don't have biometric face, you know, as far as getting in. I guess that's one factor you could try to use as a selling point. However, as we all know, this stuff is never going to stay just like this. This is going to be further and further down the rabbit hole of essentially monitoring on a regular basis what the next step because they already have this with OnStar and stuff like that in a lot of these cars where the you know they have a microphone you can contact OnStar so what they're going to do is they're going to start slowly telling people what they can and can't do oh uh, we picked up that you made a uh, you know a, a racial hate crime or a hate speech excuse me while you're driving you made a comment in traffic it's hate speech so we've notified you that once your vehicle is back in the safe area uh, you'll no longer be able to use it for 48 hours that's what's going to happen now. People go, well, that, that would never happen. Really? We'd never lock down for two years either, would we? We'd never tell people that they couldn't go into a restaurant and eat without having an RNA vaccination card. We'd never tell people that we had to talk about our medical records in order to go into a business. We'd never tell people that you had to wear three masks, allegedly, in order to be out in society and be safe. No, none, none of that would ever happen. <laughs> that's where it's rolling, my friends. So again, as you're going to start seeing a lot of the older vehicles and prices are going to start going up massively in value because you're not going to be able to find anything on the market anymore that doesn't have all these invasive standards that are being implemented as a mandatory safety standpoint. So again, get the truth out there, my friends. Keep continuing to encourage one another. Encourage your friends. Encourage your family. You know, you never know what somebody's going through sometimes. Just, sometimes you just got to send somebody a text or shoot them a phone call. Like, hey, 
listen, man, what's going on? I was thinking about you, just talking about you. You know, let's go grab lunch. Let's go hit the gym. Let's go do something. A lot of times, man, there's people that need stuff. They All you need to do is reach out sometimes to your friends and family and continually do your best to encourage them. And by all means, keep your body strong and healthy as well. One of the best ways you can do that is keeping on natural supplements on a regular basis, the ultimate multiple powder, which by far is one of my favorite products we have, that in the magnesium brain food, is such a staple because it continually provides your body every day when you take it with bioactive B vitamins that just feed your cells, feed your energy. I mean, just continue to keep you rolling. That's one of the reasons why we also put together, I put together that kit on the front page of the website, the Maximum Energy Kit. I talked about it last week with the adrenal support, the cortisol buster, the B-complex, and the multiple. Those four staple products are incredibly effective at helping out with your energy, your mental state, overall functioning, memory, everything, including also helping your adrenal glands. So thank you, my friends. Get the truth out there every single day, every chance you get. Continue to encourage one another. If you need anything, healthmasters.com. We're here to help you guys out the best we possibly can in this wild world we're living in right now. So we're all in this together. Thank you for getting the show out there, for promoting it, for forwarding it, getting people to listen to the truth, and also to show articles that we have on the website. You can forward those. Those are up on the website every single day on the current topics that we bring up here on this show. So you can click those and forward them as well if you need to. So sign up for our free weekly newsletter. That will go right to your email every single day with all the information along with the daily news and different sales. So again, healthmasters.com. Y'all have a blessed, safe, awesome evening as always. And we'll talk to you again on this show tomorrow as always.